Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. This computer has a vast memory capacity. This is not a computer simulation. Most unusual. Are we ready to release our new software? Yes, sir. As requested, it's full of bugs, which means people will be forced to upgrade for years. Outstanding. Good. You've covered all the bases. Computer status report. From this time forward, you will service us. Our priorities seem to have changed. There's no news. Like bad news. Would you mind identifying what you are? Bites. Thanks to Kate Kingsmill for the last three hours with The Distant Sky. Tune in next week for more awesome tunes. Uh, you're listening to Bite Into It here on 3RRR, the video game edition with me, Dan, and the wonderful Maze. Maze, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Dan. How are you going? Not too bad. How's your uh, month in video games been? Cold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cold, but, but nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a fair few little games coming out and... Um, the St Kilda Film Festival was on the weekend and that had a beautiful hover garden party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been nice seeing, seeing games out and about again. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. And uh, how's your, your work going? You're getting, getting lots done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting lots done. Getting lots done. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, soon games will be released. Um, more games coming out. Yeah. Games unions, businesses unionizing. Yes. Yes. Perfect. That's yeah. what we want to hear. And how's your month in games been? Uh yeah, not too bad. I started playing uh Riot Games Valorant, which is like a yeah. character Counter-Strike shooter, um or like seeks to replace Counter-Strike, I guess. Uh I didn't need to do that. Uh now <laughs> I'm playing that in my spare time. Um as well as a few other things, but yeah, I think I'm going to uninstall it. It's just, really? uh, yeah, like not because it's because it's too good, or I'm too, I get ah. too into this kind of game. So, did you play Overwatch? I did. I played a lot of Overwatch. And I, is it because I remember that Valorant was also looked at as like a a cross between Counter Strike and Overwatch because of how characterful it was. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, the 
they've got character designs with abilities and stuff, but those mm. abilities closely track with like items in Counter Strike, like smoke grenades or yeah, flashbangs, right. or um, so there's. They do have the, I guess, the aesthetic of Overwatch where the characters are kind of stylized as well in the yeah. art and uh, they have specific personalities that you can clearly read from their designs. Um, but it has the gameplay of Counter-Strike with like uh, very technical uh, movement and aiming and um, shooting and, and that kind like of thing. Like more realistic yeah, yeah. weapons and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also Riot Games, so it's free to play. So I've had no investment in it whatsoever. Um, but they're very heavy on the the skins and um, yeah. their, which I think they Riot Games, as far as it goes, do it the right way with in terms of free to play and making sure that nothing, no gameplay is locked behind a paywall and it's all um, mm. it's all cosmetic. But mm. uh, yeah, people love those cosmetics. They do do a good job of. Um, making you want the cosmetics. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, this week, we uh, will be reviewing The Last of Us Part 2. It's more of a retrospective, I would say, seeing as the game released mid-2020. At the time, the game was surrounded by controversy because of some story elements, but we'll get into that during the review. Uh, and after that, we'll be hearing from the prolific video game composer Siddhartha Bahun. Uh, but am I saying that correctly? Barnhorn. Barnhorn. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, they're Dutch? Yeah. Dutch. Uh, about their new release for the game, Out There, Oceans of Time. Um, but before that, uh, what's happening in the world of video game news? Well, um, speaking of Dutch people, players <laughs> in Belgium and the Netherlands have begun to learn that um, the new Diablo Immortal won't be releasing there. And it's because of in-game loot boxes. So we've just been talking about free-to-play mm. and, you know, loot boxes are where you pay somewhere between, well, sometimes it's a dollar, sometimes it's $80 for a chance to win something. Yes. And countries like Belgium and the Netherlands, as well as um, in China and the UK and a little bit here as well, have classified that as gambling. Yep. And um, in those two countries just um, made it quite hard to release. So Nintendo already um, are one of the big companies that have backed out of releasing there. And now we have Activision Blizzard as well. They haven't made any really public announcements about it, um, but customer service have said that it won't be available. Yep. And... Um, Another kind of odd one is that even if users use some other means like a VPN um, to fake where they are and try to access the game, their accounts might be banned. And I'm not totally sure around the laws of that, you know, how much the countries are trying to say it's up to the companies to to do that or whether, you know, I think a lot of countries would blame the user rather than the company so yeah i think it'd yeah. be interesting seems to me that uh these companies are just like crying that their bottom line is a little bit less than what it would be and just not bothering to even develop for these countries yeah. um which is you know a shame if you're living there because like uh but also hopefully uh this trend follows in other countries and then hopefully 
these game franchises can't just get away with not developing for these two particular countries and they need to design exactly. for... Exactly. Let's stop these gambling mechanics. That's exactly Because they it. are yeah. just gambling mechanics, yeah. you know. The same neurological effect as gambling as playing a slot machine. So, yeah. yeah. You're not just buying an asset, you're buying a chance at an asset. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's gambling. Yeah. Well, in some uh, more positive news, uh, Vince Sampala from Respawn Entertainment um, spoke out on Twitter in defense of transgender rights ahead of the start of Pride Month on June 1st. Um, Trans rights are human rights, Zampala tweeted on Tuesday. It's as simple as that. Uh, Respawn has grown on the principles of diversity, equality and inclusion and strives to uphold those values. Let's be better humans. Um, It's quite powerful words from a studio head, uh, considering that uh, EA has been so hesitant to uh, say anything about that as well. It's been pretty ridiculous. And Lindsay Pearson, so um, Zampala comes um, from... What game? Call of Duty. He was one of the original founders of Call of Duty. And now Apex Legends, right? Yes, that's correct. And Lindsay Pearson, also um, creative VP for the Sims franchise, has also weighed in saying women's rights are human's rights, transgender rights are human rights, Maxis and the Sims value diversity, equality. And... um, the Sims have also added in a new pronouns, custom pronouns um, that you can put in to your Sims as well. And this has come off the back of a couple of things. So, you know, as trans rights and also women's rights um, or everyone's rights to abortion um, are being stripped back in the US, a lot of large tech companies have been speaking out saying, well, Microsoft, for example, have said we'll help employees go to whatever state they need to to get the health care they need, whether it's abortion or gender-affirming or whatever. Um, Good on you, Microsoft. Get a tick for that one. Yeah, for every that now one and then they get thing. ticks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, war crimes, whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> um, but so EA had a really big roundtable with all of their staff and their staff were like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and they didn't want to do anything public, which kind of sucks because it's a huge company, um, especially in the US where, you know, companies are as big as governments. They have the same amount of power. So it is quite important for companies to yeah. speak out publicly. Um, they The staff said instead they've been talking about um, health care and things like that. It's kind of a bit of a piss week um, excuse, you know, because yeah. if they if they had come up with the healthcare solution, then they could have just said the same thing that Microsoft has done. Yeah, and trans rights and abortion rights have been issues for years and years, and if they're only just coming to the table now, come on, guys. Yeah, that's so. that's exactly it. Uh, do better, EA, and um, I'm sure it's irked some of the executives at the company that. Uh, two of their biggest franchises, the yeah. uh, creatives for those two big franchises have actually, you know, um, taken out of step uh, and gone for um, supporting trans rights. And, um, and supporting their workers. Yeah. So good on them. So, yeah, it must, uh, must really irk the suits at EA that they've done that, which, <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> Triple. Ah. Uh.
You're listening to Bite Into It, the video game edition here on 3RRR. The time is 7.14. We're going to do a little review or a retrospective as we're going to title it. Um, This is about The Last of Us Part 2. You may have heard of the game when it released in 2020, so it's only two years old. Um, But there was a large controversy surrounding the game when it released released uh it released to critical acclaim but was review bombed a process of a large organized group of people uh purposefully uh reviewing a game and lowering its uh metacritic score basically um it's out of 10 score uh which people at a glance use to judge a game um for reasons that we'll get into uh we'll just start off with a little um Little intro to The Last of Us Part 2. Hopefully the Part 2 gives it away. It's a sequel to The Last of Us, um, which released in 2017, I believe, uh, which was also a critically acclaimed third-person action game uh, about a a man and a young woman who he's travelling with um, during a post-apocalyptic event where cordyceps fungus have infected... Uh, 90% of the population have turned people into mushroom zombies. Uh, And the story is really heartfelt. There was a lot of articles at the time saying video games have grown up and all that. If if you're a very big gamer um, like me, I wasn't impressed by this so much because I feel like I'd seen a lot of games with this, this level of maturity before. But perhaps what they meant was that video games have grown up in front of everyone now. It was widely believed that video games could be art um, and this game was a good case for that. Um, And yeah, uh, The Last of Us Part 2 follows on from the original story. Uh, The main characters, um, Joel and Ellie, in the first one, uh, they're the first characters we're introduced to at the start of the game. They've made it to Jackson in, I think it's Wyoming, I'm not too uh, crash hot on my American Somewhere geography. In the US. Yeah, uh, it's snowing. There's a town uh, that's boarded off that they're both uh, members of. Uh, they're both part of uh, the Rangers, or they're not really don't really have an official title, but they go out um, basically patrolling the borders of Jackson, uh, making sure that they clear any cordyceps zombies mm. um, to keep the town safe. Um, Uh, hijinks ensue that's probably not the right word for it there's quite (laughs) an emotional scene um and joel uh dies or rather is murdered by some other people um yeah he he's uh, a man with a tragic backstory uh and he's done a lot of uh questionable things in his time and as a player you're led to um you know understand that he's He's got quite a grey backstory. He's mm. neither good nor bad. Um, and I think that's part of like the maturity of the game in that um, it does tell a really complex, deep story um, and still manages to be quite uh, entertaining and fun to play, if not a little bit tense uh, yeah. with um, yeah, a lot of the gameplay. It's got uh, a lot of that um, Resident Evil, you've got to... Um, conserve all your ammunition and items and make sure that you're using them at the appropriate times. Otherwise you'll run out and be uh, left up a particular Creek without a paddle. Um, And a lot of people were pretty upset that Joel was killed off. Yeah. Yeah. So close to the start. That's part of the controversy as (laughs) well. Um, 
So And instead you just played this buff, hot chick, <laughs> Ellie. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Um I suppose we can get into the um the controversy now. So uh the game was review bombed. Uh critical acclaim. Uh like I said, yeah, the first Metacritic, game. Metacritic, which is which is the kind of the site that well it does a meta-analysis of all of the big critiques. Yeah. It has it at 96%. Mm. But if you look at, like, Google users, it's 6 out of 10. Yeah. 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 And that's because, um, the yeah, there was a large concerted effort to um, give this game as terrible a review as possible. Uh, and Metacritic has been... Um, uh, what is it criticized in the past for its fairly basic um, aggregation of scores and how it can be manipulated so easily mm. um, yeah so Joel's death in the opening hours uh, was one of the main reasons for uh, the controversy and the review bombing but also uh, there was a subset who were um, who complained of social justice warrior politics in the game because Ellie's a young um, lesbian or bisexual uh, character who has a lesbian relationship with another character really early in the game. Um, And, yeah, I guess the the hardcore gamers in quote-unquote brackets uh, really had issues with this, which is like... A larger issue in the video games, uh, you know, um, industry and video games in general. Yeah, community when you get these AAA games that, you know, usually are marketed to these bros. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, And then they freak out. But another another piece of criticism that I remember is so there's a pretty hot sex scene. and one of the criticisms was that while there are so many amazingly animated things, and I remember amongst dev circles, um, the there's a rope that you can use and you can jump in and out through a window and wind the rope around the window, through the wall, you know, through the door and then around it boxes or something like that and then pull on the rope and like pull it taut which is just physics that is ridiculous yeah and who needs that but someone made that and it worked what the hell yeah. um but the animation in this sex scene is just not that great <laughs> <laughs> it must be it must have been like one of those things of like you know, the parents in the room. So they, I just got to animate this as quickly as possible and let's get past it or something like that. Uh, yeah. Um, which, like, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of uh, sex scenes in video game, you know, cut scenes anyway. It, to me, it seems... Uh, in cut scenes, so... you would rather they be interactive. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> like, that's the... the um... The magic of video games is their interactivity, although that's not necessarily something that I'm screaming for or like something that I'm really willing to play. But um, I, I, that is also part of my general uh, dislike of cutscenes as well. Um, that yeah. you know you, you're playing a video game, and they take control from you. Like that's I'm pl- like I want to play the video game, um, and yeah, you're going to rest control at such a pivotal moment in uh, the game as well, the sex scene. Um, 
Yeah, uh, more controversy uh, spread as well because of uh, a player character called Abby, who you could say is on the opposite side of the other characters, uh, Joel and Ellie. Um, Abby uh, was just a uh, just muscular woman um, who, uh, yeah, is somewhat of an antagonist, and uh, a lot of players criticised her muscular physique and theory spread online that she was transgender uh, just because someone wrote it and a bunch of people believed it. It doesn't come from an official source. Um, Polygon's Patricia Hernandez argued that this perception was a result of a lack of body diversity in games, which is a good point to bring up that, you know, every player character is just a, you know, male characters, bald, skinny, Mm-hmm. Um, chiseled, chiseled, scar, yeah, just the right amount of stubble, yeah, just the right amount of stubble uh, on the head and uh, chin, um, and female characters are somewhat similar, just um, bland, two D um, characters, you know, uh, skinny, yeah. um, not wearing uh, appropriate armor, not wearing appropriate armor, that kind of thing, yeah. Um, but I remember they showed, they posted the um, the fitness model that um, Abby was based off of. And it's just, it's exactly right. You know, it's it's completely the right proportions, the right bra. Yeah. Because this is what they were talking about. You yeah. know, oh, it's not wearing like a push-up enough bra. Um, and, and it was really awesome. And it was, I think, a moment of pride for actually a lot of women in games. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think despite the controversy, Naughty Dog, the studio that made The Last of Us Part Two, handled it very well, uh, weren't spiteful in their responses to the criticism or like the unjustified criticism, I would say, mm. um, and just played with a straight bat and put their case forward and um, was able to, yeah, make sure that people understood this is where we're coming from, this is what we made and this is why we made it. And, um, yeah, I think in the end that kind of stuff shines through above all the controversy in the end. Uh, Part of the reason why I wanted to do the retrospective now because um, I wanted to kind of give it an honest review when, when, like, all the controversy has died down. Um, Yeah, so I'll just say that um, uh, the story is, you know, curated. It is really good if you want a story-based survival game um you can't really go past it it's Mm. a really in-depth uh character driven i didn't cry Uh, um i don't know i'm not sure a video (laughs) game has ever made me uh more abstract video games that make me more emotional like uh than than direct like i i feel manipulated when a like, which uh, is the yeah. point, you know? Like Pixar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Um, the gameplay is is fine, to be honest. Like, uh, mm. I find um, with a lot a lot of games, like I said, uh, I'd I, video games growing up, I'd already played video games that had gone past this point in what I in maturity anyway. But it was like maturity on the on the main stage. Like, uh, mm. popular culture now understood that video games could be this mature storytelling experience. Mm. Um, But the gameplay is just basic third-person action stuff, you know, aim, shoot, kind of manage your resources. It's nothing um, spectacular. Like a lot of the AI um, is fairly basic, like you're crawling through grass and like hiding and like taking people out with shivs and stuff like that. It's, It's very basic AI. Um, so the gameplay is fine. You're playing The Last of Us 2 for the story mm. um, and, you know, enjoying 
the gameplay as much as you can. It's not you're not uh, they haven't revolutionized anything with the gameplay. Um, the visuals spectacular. It's a very beautiful yeah. game. Um, post-apocalyptic games are known for just shades of brown and it does a very good job of uh, showing a real diversity of environments and um, and colours and uh, just, just fantastic artwork and design and yeah. uh, motion capture as well. The animations are really smooth. Um, and I guess where this really shines the story is like the relationships between all the characters. Like uh, this game is very character-driven Um I uh, am, yeah, I can't praise the story enough for the characters and their relationships and how they react. And I feel like the Naughty Dog's response to the controversy, um, you can see how they've written such a mature game with like the maturity that they handled the controversy and the, mm. um, the way they write as well. Um, it's uh, spectacular. Um, and yeah, 4 million copies sold. So I thought uh, perhaps that the... Um, the controversy might stop sales, but it actually topped the sales for that month, beating out God of War with 3.1 million mm-hmm. and uh, Spider-Man with 3.3 million. So, um, yeah, it's uh, most successful num- sales numbers for June 2020, um, yeah. which is, Amazing. yeah, it really says something about um, the video game to say that it's it's sold that much. It's sold as much as it did. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking for a narrative-driven third-person action game uh, dealing with uh, heavy themes and um, real intimate character relationships, you can't look past The Last of Us Part 2. Um, so, yeah. And uh, hot lesbians. And hot lesbians as well, which yes! is everyone's everyone's excited about that. Everyone likes hot lesbians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> coming up next, we're going to hear um, from Siddhartha Barnhorn. Mays actually spoke to Siddhartha uh, Later, sorry, earlier this week. Uh, And we have uh, the recording right here. Okay. Siddhartha Barnhorn is an award-winning film, television and video game composer from the Netherlands. He's responsible for the scores of over 70 films, not to mention documentaries, games, commercials and more. You might know him best from Antichamber. Um, Planet Alpha, Out There series, and the Stanley Parable. Hi, Sid. Welcome to the show. Hey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, your new soundtrack for Out There, Oceans of Time is beautiful, of course. Oh, well, thank you. Thank um, and, and I was so excited to see new work from you. I didn't even realise that the game wasn't out yet and I was like mm. <gasps> ready <laughs> um, yeah 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 How- it's, been, uh, it, it's been delayed yeah but uh yeah the uh the, the music is already out for people to uh to hear and hopefully enjoy amazing and um you know, often we're waiting around for soundtracks to come out or we try and get them um out on the same time as the game. Um, mm. What was your thought process when you were like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to release this anyway? Well, it was actually uh, the idea of the uh, publisher, uh, Modern Wolf. They uh, Because I, uh, I composed... Mo- the most music I've done till now for a project around four it's hours massive. of music. Yeah, there's, it's there's, pretty. Uh, it's pretty massive. Yeah, there's so. forty tracks 
ranging from <laughs> or forty one, ranging from twelve yeah, seconds. For the first volume. To, yeah. For the first volume, right. Right, yeah. So the idea uh was to release volume one a few weeks before the re- release and then the second volume well, at, at release or maybe a, a bit later. Mm. And um, first, the, uh, the release date was early February. Yeah, right. And yeah, so I had to plan the, the release of the uh, uh, first volume in advance because it takes a while for it to distribute to Spotify and mm. all those online uh, uh, platforms. Mm. Uh, but then they said no it's it's we, we're going to delay it till uh when was it the 7th of april i think it was or 4th of april uh and with a release for the for volume one on the 24th of march so i was like okay well that's uh that's great i uh yeah. i'll have to uh i'll have to make sure i have everything set early early in march yeah and yeah. then uh, release it maybe the first week of march so that i'm uh, or release it uh, distribute everything yes sure. uh, so, so that it's uh, on online yeah. uh, exactly on 24th on the 24th and um well some some time went by i didn't hear anything from them uh, for for a while so at uh, um uh, at some point, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to uh, upload everything. So, <laughs> I'm going to do you know, it. I'm going to press go. I'm going to do it because I I need I need this time to uh, for mm. everything to distribute. So I did it, and a few weeks or or a week before the release, they said, "Oh, can you put a stop to it because <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we ended up delaying it again to twenty uh, sixth of May." I said, I'm sorry. It's now. Now it's in the pipeline. It's it's moving. Yeah, and yeah. I am unable to stop it. <laughs> and they said, okay, well then, then then we'll do it like this. And uh, yeah, we'll have to. Uh, we'll, people can can listen to it for two months, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll have to uh, do the rest. Uh, yeah, after after that, but they'll do the the. Um, promoting and stuff like that cool uh, is that somewhere, interesting somewhere in Maine. yeah like working <laughs> with a game is it a game publisher like how is that relationship between composer and well, game publisher for, for you me. yeah it's the first time i haven't for me, heard so of it before it's... so yeah no no so it's it's kind of uh, weird for me and uh new <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah it's uh, i i guess it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting it's nice to have that support i suppose uh especially with the promotion yeah um yeah because usually i end up doing everything myself mm. and uh, just uh, making sure everything is on uh, on the right track with uh, the developer as well that they yes. uh, have the release date and uh that they are okay with me doing uh, some some promotion before and how much I can say about the game, stuff like that. Yeah, and I guess it's interesting, you know, that games, games composers sometimes have relationship with music labels, but often not. Mm. 
and then no. working with the game's publisher as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely, yeah, exactly. you know, in the industry, these publishers paying starting to pay more attention to composers. Would you say that? Um, well, I'm. I'm. Uh, since it's quite new to me, I'm. Uh, I'm still uh, um, trying mm. to figure out how how uh, how the things work. But uh, at the moment, we have uh, we we made a a deal, and yeah. uh, because they are now because usually I make a deal with uh, the developer. Yeah. They, uh, and um, uh, Miklo Studio, who does uh, out there. And did a lot of other projects. They usually did everything themselves as well. Mm. And, but now they are getting quite quite big, mm, mm. and uh, they have a lot of employees now. And uh, they decided to use a publisher. Yeah. So now I have to deal with the publisher. Yeah, with, uh, only because they are also me. going to sell the soundtrack along with the game on Steam. And, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so right. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's it's. Um, yeah, I have to. I have to. Uh, um, you have to work on the communication then uh, anew, mm. basically, mm. because uh, yeah, it's uh, it's they're different. It's a different branch, I guess. Yeah, so I, uh, and the music I have to rights get used to that a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose the <laughs> the music rights and how everything is changing with the different platforms like Twitch and YouTube and Steam mm. and. Um, you know, even Epic has uh, got a large share of Bandcamp now, so it's all it's all kind of happening. Right. Of yeah, these different we'll how, these how games is, We will have to see how that goes. Um, yeah, there are a few theories around, but uh, 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 so far, yeah, I haven't read them. But uh, yeah, well, I I usually just uh, w- wait and see. Mm-mm. What what uh, what the results are and uh, but yeah hopefully it's for the better. Hopefully, and, uh, we, yeah. I, I I I tend to uh, to be hopeful. That's a and, good way uh, to be. <laughs> <laughs> and see things uh, go into a positive way, but yeah, you never know. Let's wait and see. Yeah, um, I wanted to talk a little bit also about how you're working with the studio and. Um, how you're coming up with these sounds and things with mm. um did you did you work very closely with a sound designer or much of an audio team on this uh for this one uh, yes i um uh there was a sound designer they hired and he also did the implementation in the mm. game mm. uh with uh, uh what was it uh, wise great i'm a big fan of yeah. wise <laughs> Uh, and uh, so I, I did a lot of uh, discussing with him and uh, to see if the sounds and the music also mixed well yeah. and, uh, and also how I wanted to um, how do you say it have it uh, have it implemented yeah so is so the uh, you know I haven't managed to play the game but I understand there's been a few opportunities um, on Steam the demo has been up but I just um, yeah. haven't managed to catch one of those. Um, is yeah. the music very reactive to the player? Um, well, the f- my, my first um, uh, initial idea is to have it very well, atmospheric and immersive. Mm. 
but mm. this is a very different game from the previous installments. The previous installments yeah. had uh, was also quite quite immersive, but uh, this one has a uh, very large narrative as well, with yeah. uh, multiple endings. Yeah. So uh, it was a, quite quite a challenge actually. And there are a few things that, um, like, like for instance, animation that needs specific uh, timing of music, almost like, well, not almost like, but uh, like scoring a film, mm. but, uh, but short, short pieces. And there are also narrative parts in the, in the game that need specific, specific music. And the rest, well, the rest is just the, the atmosphere of the gameplay itself. Mm. So the, there were different uh, different uh, parts of music that needed to be made. And the in-game music is, uh, is usually just um, an atmospheric part that, uh, that loops. Mm, mm. So, for instance, you can, uh, it's, it's um, uh, space exploration. Yeah, and survival yeah. as well. So you yeah. need to manage your resources, find resources, and uh, make sure your ship is uh, has enough uh, oxygen. Yeah, enough there fuel. seems to be a lot of elements. Like looking at the Steam page, there's roguelike mm. survival. There's some um, diplomacy or something as well, and there's these narrative. Yeah. And um, I saw another way that it has changed is we've gone from 2D to 3D as well. Mm. Did that have much yeah. of an influence, this kind of added dimension? <laughs> um, well, yes, in terms of uh, scope, mainly. Yes, but the, sure. main, the, main, the main thing for me was uh, the uh, addition of, uh, of uh, narrative. Yes, they seem um, um, really give, highlighted the people behind there. Yeah. Yeah, to give more uh, scope to the music as well. Yeah, and, um, very cool. I suppose the player will have very different experiences of, you know, who they follow or what endings of your score. Yes, yes, definitely. It's, um, um, how do you say that? It, it was quite a challenge to f figure out which direction to go into, especially mm. with... Um, with all the narrative stuff, but I felt like okay, well, I'll I'll try to keep it in as as close to what we already had as possible, but branch out into, uh, for instance, more orchestral stuff as well, and adding more um, more layers that I haven't uh, created uh, have ever created for the originals yet. So I used a lot of vintage synthesizers as well yeah. and uh, a lot of um, yeah other interesting sounds and uh, usually i also use vocals yeah and yeah your your yeah. soundtrack really spans what could be seen as kind of traditional orchestral um you know like the prologue track that has the strings and brass and um, mm. the the opening track of your album of Volume One also has that solo alto voice. Um, but then there are some tracks that are really synthy, and ones that have elements of sound design. I was I was trying to pick what are those sounds until I scrolled down to the bottom of the Bandcamp and saw yeah. like I couldn't pick them. 
but there's things like the shakuhachi flute that never kind mm -hmm. of you know is something I'm familiar with but I was like that didn't kind of come out um yeah or rain sticks or you've you've also just written stone with no like yeah. not like rubbing not yeah. hitting just yeah. just stone <laughs> I, I, I have a, I have a stone uh, uh how how do you call that you can you can grind uh, right. food in it but the sound itself is very very interesting so beautiful yeah what what's your um, approach to kind of creating all of these textures i mean a lot of them are kind of analog and acoustic but then there's also mm. that digital and and totally synthesized so you know it's really really textural um yeah yeah that that has always been um the fascination with mine very uh almost meditative getting creating something that that uh that immerses you into well almost meditative but also uh, atmospheric uh sound worlds i i love doing those kinds of things but it's it can be a challenge because um it <laughs> How how do you create something new? That's usually uh, and and what what kind of atmosphere do you want to create? That's also always the kind of questions that, uh, especially for a game like this, there's a lot of yes. music that needs to be made. And how how can I change it up? And how can I uh, make something that is specific for uh, the the area or uh, the the character or the um, the narrative that that it needs. So yeah. with with stone, for instance, I uh, I used um, I used that for for the rocky planets that you can explore and um, yeah and a lot of uh, the acoustic sounds I used for the for the planets a lot of them so yeah, it's uh, right. for, so the rain sticks and, uh, and and the vocals usually come in and uh, the garden planets. Ah, beautiful! And, uh, you have rocky planets and garden planets, and that's that they create their own kind of uh, atmosphere for those types of uh, areas you, that you can uh, explore. It's funny how literal those links are. Like I used stone yeah. for the rock planet, but it doesn't. It still comes across as really delicate and really deep. Um, your mm -hmm. um. Something I, I felt with um, one of the particular tracks, but I'll, I'll look at my notes and think of it. Um, okay, the, the track Red Giant, for example, there's these little percussive synth lines which kind of make me think of like little, and they're, they're quite soft, of little mm. ants running about, while otherwise there's these quite kind of epic, really pure harmony pads. And... You know, for me, that really makes sense with space because there's like tiny humans or or aliens and huge planets. Like, was yeah. obviously it's so easy to read into things, but you know, is kind of those that scale of large and small something that you thought about in your music and and about space? Mm, definitely, yeah, and that's also one of the things that. Um, we did in the previous games to have each star, each uh, each each uh, type of star, have their own music. 
so um yeah so so every time i um i i and and they they have variations as well and um i'm very into astronomy and uh, and cosmology so i uh, get inspired by by for instance uh, uh, hubble space telescope pictures and that already gives me a lot of a lot of uh, mood ideas yeah basically. amazing but, um well the artist of the game uh, benjamin he uh, he made such beautiful uh, uh artwork for it uh, um how do you say that concept art mm. so that's the that and the and the narrative so the script were most of the inspirational uh, part because some of the game gameplay i wasn't able to uh, i wasn't able to do because it wasn't made yet yeah how- and, uh, and also for the endings i couldn't uh play that because <laughs> it it wasn't implemented yet so i had to uh visualize it in my mind along with uh, the script and uh, uh, the artwork <laughs> which was uh, totally different from how I'm used to composing but uh, yeah I hope it uh, <laughs> yeah it ended up uh, go- doing well well I eventually I was able to test it and stuff like that so yeah, it's uh, so uh, it's it's definitely a, a change of pace so those those things definitely help in uh, in uh, getting the inspiration for for instance the stars and stuff like that and then yeah. I, then it's just a matter of um, yeah what what feels right for me it's usually very intuitive yeah and, i guess you know once yeah. you have absorbed so much it's kind of like by osmosis you know that you're doing the the right thing it becomes yeah. Yeah, what your muscles are doing yeah exactly it uh, it takes usually for me it takes a bit of time it needs to digest and then at some point it it just um it just it just comes so it is it is such a massive amount of music and you've said you know four Mm. hours um how long does that take (laughs) well it depends uh sometimes sometimes these species come very easily and uh, at least the 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 rough uh skeleton of 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 such a piece and then slowly i build onto it or take things back or to see what works and what doesn't yeah Uh, yeah yeah, i had a lot of time yeah, I so had a lot of time to work on this. I mean, the first uh, piece I did was the uh, the teaser trailer. I think that's that's track forty, uh, and that was in two thousand nineteen, late two thousand nineteen, I think, yeah, in November. Right. And then uh, a few months later, in two thousand twenty, I think a half year later, actually, they asked me to uh, to really start on the game so i think i had around a year or one mm. and a half years or mm. something of time to uh, to work on this so it's a, it's a nice amount of time i didn't work on it uh, full time but yeah. i had uh, yeah I, I think all in all i think uh, well definitely a couple of months altogether half a year or something yeah and i guess it's also just about um you or you also gain insight just by having that prolonged relationship 
with the game, yeah. and I guess also the previous games. You know, yeah, with the, have... and with the developers, I mm. know. Uh, so we already discussed a lot of things of uh, what what they want with this, and uh, yeah. So well, it's it's a bigger version of uh, of the of the first game, so it's. The scope is a lot bigger, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's uh, that's that's awesome!" Then I can do a lot of more, a lot more, uh, yeah, cool stuff that I would like to experiment with, like adding the uh, orchestral. Palette yeah, it does like seem that. epically bigger. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for chatting. How can people yeah. um, keep across your work and keep across? when the game comes out? Uh, well, I have a website, uh, sidbarnhorn.com. I'm also on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Uh, so if you, if you type Sid and then Barnhorn, you'll Great. probably find me, cool. find me there. And, and on uh, Spotify and Bandcamp, of course, as well. Yes, uh, we love Bandcamp yes. on Triple R. Um, and then out there is coming out on Steam and any other platforms announced? Uh, let me th- let me think. I think uh, good old games as well. Great, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but but Steam is the main uh, the main platform. Awesome, um, and that'll yeah. be out May twenty six. Triple R. We just have one event that we want to talk to you about. Digital Rights Watch, who we love, and Music Victoria, who we also love, present Create at the Music Market in Collingwood tomorrow night at 6.30pm. Tickets are $20. They're going to be talking about rebalancing the internet economy um, with cool musicians like Eilish Gilligan, who we love, um, and and internet artists as well, talking about um, how to exist as an artist online. A lot of love for this event and the people involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much to our guest this evening, Sid Barnhorn, uh, prolific composer. Uh, We heard a couple of his tracks uh, during the show. And uh, thanks to Talks producer Elizabeth McCarthy, podcaster Matthew Hall. Um, We've been uh, bite into it, the video game edition. Uh, I'm Dan and... And I'm Maze. Yeah. Coming up next, uh, the International Pop Underground with Anthony Carew. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.